0: Welcome back everyone to Web3 Unpacked. I'm Rich Pasqua and today joining us is Sam Huber, CEO of Landvault, the largest metaverse developer who offers a complete tech stack to build, deploy, and monetize white-labeled virtual worlds. Welcome, Sam.
1: Thanks for having me, Rich. Very excited to uh, to be here today.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're excited to, uh, to have you because Uh, As I was mentioning earlier, before we jumped on, we want to kind of dig into more content like this. It's very interesting. And for our listeners, uh, Sam, you're an entrepreneur, a blockchain connector. I see you all the time on social media, sharing great bits about being an entrepreneur and technology in general. And you host uh, Good Morning Web 3. We suggest that our, our listeners and viewers check that out as well. Um you have also solid investors uh in Landvault uh the Land Vault Project uh with the Sandbox, Gemini Frontier Fund, Hotelco, and uh Kingsway Capital. Very impressive. Uh and um, you know, it seems like you're you've got Land Vault off to a good start. Um okay, so What we like to do, Sam, uh, before we jump into products and you a little bit more, I always like to ask our guests, how did you get involved in Web3? What was your journey like?
1: Yeah, great question. I mean, I I got involved with um, crypto first, uh, way before it was called Web3. This was 2013 uh, when I bought my first uh, couple of Bitcoins on Mongox which uh, I don't know if you remember that, but that was, uh, you know, the OG exchange, a very, very centralized exchange, a, a pretty terrible user experience. I mean, if you put more than a, a couple thousand dollars in that site, you were, you were pretty crazy at the time. Um, I remember seeing it, you know, 2013, I think this is when it started to break into the, into the mainstream or still in the tech industry, but outside of the, the forums and, the, you know, the, the deep web and uh and it was just interesting at the time i didn't really know what to expect it was just a digital currency and uh, you know i bought a couple dozens of bitcoin at the time and uh, i was really passive i i was not really developing anything on it i started to pay attention to other coins coming up you know ethereum a few, few years later but there was litecoin in the middle and um and that was my first um you know that was my first exposure to 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 blockchain to web3 And what was interesting is, you know, it was very choppy, ups and downs. The price was moving a lot. But if you zoomed out and you saw it year after year, there seemed to be more and more excitement, more and more developers. It was more and more mainstream, more and more people around me started to know about it. So it really felt like it was the beginning of something pretty special and pretty unique. And in parallel, I was building a gaming company, AdMix, which eventually became LandVault. And it's only, you know, two years ago now that um, it became clear that those two trends were converging, that the 3D worlds and the blockchain were actually going to converge to create this decentralized metaverse. And I think this is something that is happening right now generally that is really interesting, is to see all of these technologies, not just blockchain and, and 3D, but also, you know, AI, um, and all of that is converging, right? These are not trends that are happening in isolation. They're all converging together to create a, a new a new Internet, an Internet that would be very different, that would be, uh, you know, the tools to create content, to monetize them, to consume them, are going to change. And our digital experience is going to change drastically over the next couple of years because of these technologies. So that's when, you know, I started to really get more involved. I would say 2017, um, personally on the side making investments starting to work with projects and only in 2022 actually when we we did the pivot from uh, AdMix to LandVault and we started to actually build our own uh, Web3, Web3 tech so uh, I took about 10 years to fully get involved but I've always had exposure and you know always followed the, followed the industry.
0: Yeah, great, great story and great start, Sam. Um, much like uh, a, a lot of us, we got involved, started to learn. And and you're 100% right. It, it, it really, if you were an early adopter like yourself and for myself for that mo- most part, you started to see a lot of information come out and a lot of excitement and the network effect took, took over. Um, and it, it's really exciting to see. And to one of your other points, you know, the internet is changing, right? The idea of the internet is changing and how we interact with it is rapidly changing with natural language uh, and AI um, happening. And we're starting to see devices come out and, and certainly the metaverse. And we're all excited for that. Um, now, can you give us, give us the, the high level overview? Because we're gonna go into it a little bit more, but what is, what is LandVault?
1: Yeah, so LandVault we basically building infrastructure to make the metaverse possible. Um, concretely, we really have two sides of the business. The side that most people would know about LandVault is actually our studio. We have a studio. We have about a hundred people in that studio, and we build experiences for brands like Mastercard and Heineken and, and Standard Chartered, and now also for government institution here in the Middle East, which is which is our core market, and those would be. Almost like it starts with consulting and creative and development of, of pretty custom experiences. But actually what powering all of that under the hood is our tech stack. So we have four products. Um, one is about creation. So we use generative AI to create assets faster instead of building everything from scratch. If we have 10 clients that want, you know, a shopping mall or a stadium, we actually can generate some of that very quickly. So. This is good for us it's less effort less work but it's also good for the client because it's faster and it costs less money and if you think about the the internet the 2d internet um i always go back to the example of jeff bezos right had to raise a million dollars in 1996 to build his first e-commerce website which was mainly text and you know uh, a way to capture payments which they had to implement from scratch and they had to create their own servers so just just creating the website costed a million dollars now I can create a much better e-commerce website for zero in 15 minutes by going to Shopify and plugging that into uh, uh, WordPress and I can go live really quickly and focus on the business. So this is basically what Landvol is trying to do for 3D Worlds is to create this, this building blocks, this infrastructure that enable any creator of any size to quickly create environments much faster using generative AI as a catalyst and then deploy that in a few clicks on any servers of your choice in any uh, area that you want and then monetize that using in-game advertising, which is actually our first ever product, e-commerce and all these tools. So we are really this this suite of tools that creators can use from ideation all the way into monetization to very quickly get 3D worlds um, live and and monetizable uh, on the web.
0: Uh, Wow. Um, It sounds like your system of, uh, you know, spinning up brands and real estate is more streamlined than Web 2.0 for some reason, which is nice. Uh, And I look forward, I'd love to really get a sneak peek behind the scenes with that as well. Uh, And you, what we're seeing here with LandVault is the modern real estate developer, if you will with and beyond
1: you can see it like that, yeah. Um this is actually an interesting analogy when when you know you talk about the metaverse, people tend to um equate that to the physical real estate. But what we see that we're doing is is really creating the three D internet. And for us that is the definition of the metaverse. You know many people are uh, don't have a definition. People say all the time, oh, we don't know. The metaverse doesn't have a definition. It's too broad. What is it? Is connection? Is it VR? Is it AR? Is it a connection between the physical and the digital? And they, they really make it more, much more complicated than it should be. For us, the metaverse is a 3D version of the internet. And that is a trend that is happening anyway. If you look at gaming, how many people are playing games? It's about 3 billion people every single day. We consume more and more 3D content. Kids now spend most of their time playing Roblox and Fortnite. So we are used to, and especially the new generations, are used to spend time in three-dimensional environments. And the internet is, is becoming better and better at supporting those environments, making them multiplayer, and actually creating real use cases. And that's really what LandVault is. Because when those environments, uh, when this technology really becomes mainstream, and everyone is able to you know, enter those, those walls, they're going to need tools to create 3D content faster. They're going to need tools to make money from this content. And you won't be able to use Shopify to take payment on a 3D website or to use Google Ads to, to generate revenue, right? Those are tools for the 2D Internet. So with the, the Internet adding a dimension, the tools that are needed to power this new creator economy also need to change, and that's what. LandVault is, is building. So we, we see that as a huge opportunity, which is really pushed forward by, by trends like 3D, right? Real-time 3D engines like Unity and Unreal, which were mm. originally built for gaming, but now have use cases across multiple industries. And also the blockchain that acts as a new financial backbone for this new internet and AI that kind of is the, the catalyst to enable the fast creation of these environments. So. Like I said at the beginning, everything is converging. And that is that conversion that create this inflection point in the history of the internet and create a shift that, quite frankly, we haven't seen since the inception of the internet. This is the biggest disruption ever to happen to the internet. Because obviously the internet evolved a lot and and grew massively. But the protocol is the same. The way you consume it is on a screen. You click, you scroll. That hasn't changed. But it's about to change for the first time. And so we see that as a, you know, massive shift and a big opportunity.
0: Yeah, I mean, Web3 in general, uh, the world of it is profound. It really is from finance to the end experience for for users. And it's interesting that you're using the term 3D internet versus the metaverse, right? And I, I think we saw like the term metaverse and the the Initial products that came out kind of get dinged in 2022 and 2023. Um, is that, you know, is, is it a perception thing or is it, you know, something beyond that?
1: Uh, it's a bit of both. I mean, the, one of the main thing is, is that most people don't know what it means. When, right. when people they hear metaverse, they just wonder, you know, it can go from like a ready player one type of environment. But most people haven't seen that. They don't know what it is. Uh, and as I said, uh, the pseudo experts in the space made it much more complicated than it is that we couldn't talk about it yet because we don't know what it is. And, and some people said it's VR, but that's obviously a technology, not, not a content network. So it's just a word that doesn't mean anything to most people. And this is more confusing than everything. But when you say 3D Internet, it just clicks for most people. So yeah. we came up with that word as a way to explain it on you know, podcasts like, like this and it kind of stuck and people really get it and now we we're making that our own and i think this is a good analogy to you know make things as simple as they as they should be
0: yeah and the the term metaverse for me i've kind of put it in context in my own head is really you know or the 3d you know the 3d internet is the connected tissue between worlds and galaxies right because you have Land Vault has their universe that they're working on. There's going to be other universes, and that interoperability is key. And that, to me, that is kind of the the metaverse itself. So, really good stuff, Sam. Um, you know, from traditional, what are what are some of the similarities between traditional real estate and virtual real estate?
1: I mean. One of the similarities is, is the, um, the engagement that it can create, right? The, there's obviously a lot less activity now on everything connected to virtual land, uh, but this was you know, a big topic in 2022, and I'm, I'm convinced this will come back. There's been too much activity back then, and so the, when the rise is, is, you know, it goes high very quickly, so does the fall generally. And I'm actually, I was one of the first landowner in, in platforms like Somnium Space, uh, one of the top, uh, I don't know how much top anymore, but pretty large landowner in like Sandbox, decentral land as well. So I, I do believe this is valuable. And the reason why this is valuable is, is about utility. And it's about what can you do on this piece of real estate? And so that is something that, whether it's on the physical world, Right, You can buy a plot of land somewhere and you can buy a factory. That factory makes you money. That's utility for the land. You can do that also in the virtual world. You can build a game. And if that game attracts people, then you can make money from it. So there is actual utility. People tend to forget about about utility. And if you look at the, the key drivers of value, utility is one. But there's other things like scarcity as well, right? Which drives speculative value. The less you have, the more people would want it. And this is something that people f- kind of struggle to put their, their head around because in a virtual world, you could technically um, duplicate worlds to the infinite. And therefore, there's no amount of scarcity. But that is an argument that I hear often, but that in my view is, is, is not valid. Because we have plenty of examples of of environments that are infinite, like the internet, for example, I can create an infinite amount of websites, but it doesn't mean that every time I create a new website, Google or Facebook.com become less valuable because it's not about the number of websites. That's just the wrong metric to look at. Just like it's not about the amount of plots of virtual land. It's about the traffic and what you make of it. And because I copy an environment here doesn't mean that millions of users are going to jump to it. It could just end up being an empty space. This is like if I go and duplicate Dubai in the middle of the desert, um, people are not going to stop living in the main Dubai to go to that one. So just creating real estate somewhere doesn't mean you're going to make it attractive to people. So it's the same in virtual world. It's all about the traffic and the traffic will come if they find utility, if they actually get something interesting to do there. So in my view, this is fairly similar. Obviously, there are, there are differences. Um, but, you know, I really think that if you believe in, in the metaverse, and not all the metaverse will be, will be denominated by virtual land, but there are platforms like the sandbox, for example, where owning a presence in the right spot will be very valuable when that platform actually gets, you know, millions and millions of users, just like you want to be in the main, in the main retail street in Fifth Avenue, you know brands compete to be there. They could find much cheaper rent somewhere else, but they want to be where the action is. And so, it's going to be the same in virtual
0: worlds. Yeah, yeah, ranking and scarcity, uh, and, and you know, truth be told, physical real estate is becoming more and more scarce and more and more expensive, as we can see. In contemporary times. Um, it's really difficult to people, for people to get into it. But it's also really interesting because if you're running a brand uh, and you have physical locations, whether you're Nike or uh, Disney, for that matter, you want to have that extended experience in a physical location, right? Or a digital, sorry, a virtual location as well, not just physical. Now, with that said, you had brought up some really big brand names earlier on, who are you working with and how are they utilizing LandVault and, and the 3D internet?
1: So the, the clients kind of changed a bit over time. There was the, the first period when uh, 2021, 2022, You know, post uh, Facebook rebranding into Meta, this created a big wave for, for brands, mainly consumer brands that wanted to join, to join the, the metaverse, enter those platforms. There was on Roblox, on, on Sandbox, on Decentraland, and all these platforms. And so at that time, you know, my, the, the business of the company at that time was advertising in video games. So this was uh, not a huge um, uh, difference to, to go after those brands. And instead of just creating product placement in video games, we created experiences for them in the metaverse. So we were, we were ideally positioned at that time We had just raised a Series B of $25 million. So we went hard. We repositioned the company. We rebranded LandVault. We made a studio acquisition as well. And, um, And we started to bring these brands in the metaverse. We were one of the few, I would say, credible player that was, you know, large enough to handle big accounts. Like we work with MasterCard. We work with Standard Chartered. We work with uh, quite a few e-commerce brands as well. We work with Web3 uh, NFT project like uh, World of Women. Um, Mm -hmm. We did close to 100 plus project that year, of different scale, different sizes on on different platforms. And then, you know, end of 2022, we started to see a, a big slowdown. And Q1 2023 was basically dead. Brands were kind of over it. You know, the the marketing campaign was over. This was clearly not a long-term vision for most of them. Some of them are here to stay, but most of them just wanted the headlines and wanted to build something quick. that just didn't have much um, long-term value. So this is when, you know, luckily we had a few clients already in, uh, in the GCC region in Dubai where I am based now. And we saw here a very different motivation, uh, much more long-term. There is uh, a metaverse Dubai strategy, and this is also the case in Saudi Arabia and now in Qatar, where those countries are really trying to take the lead, diversify their economies and becoming a top 10 digital economy. And they see frontier technologies like the metaverse as one of the key pillars to this. And they're basically pushing all the public sector, the private sector also to some extent, to build virtual experiences just like you know, everyone went from offline to online in the early 2000s, now it's the time to go from 2D or online experiences to 3D. And it's happening at all levels. And so we've been lucky to capitalize on that and basically find this new segment of customers. We've worked with you know, government in Dubai, um, um, the Tourism Authority in Saudi, Public Investment Fund. We work with um, Yas Marina, the Formula One track here different ministries from you know finance to economy. And so it's it's just pretty crazy here, the um, the, the amount of opportunities in the space. And it's also, what's most exciting to me is that they're really building for long-term. This is not a quick marketing campaign that we're doing, but this is about rethinking what, how their services and their products could be delivering value to customers in those 3D worlds. So there's use cases of procurements of connecting different ministries together. And there's use cases around e-commerce and uh, uh, helping local shops promote their products better to to users. And there's use cases around simulations for logistics. There's use cases around promotion of of local artists. So it's really about rethinking from scratch. Like, how can we do better if the internet was three-dimensional? How can we get this business to be more successful? And it's very exciting, right, to, to have to think about it from, from scratch and really getting a shot at rebuilding those things. So, so it's been quite a journey, you know, going from, um, from brand experiences to now actually rebuilding government platform from scratch. But the core of that is the land vault technology, the products that I mentioned on the creation, using generative AI to publishing, to monetization. Those tools are basically plugged in on all of those different projects and, and really supporting the whole infrastructure.
0: Mm. Yeah. And uh, being someone who's run quite a few projects in the Emirates, uh, I can say they are, if there's one group of folks on the planet that are into heavily advanced technologies, architecture and beyond, uh, it's them. Um, You know, we've done some outrageous work in, in the past and they are very forward thinking uh, you know, in, in their approach. They want to go yep. above and beyond to be almost future-proof, if you will. So that's really, really cool. Um, now, how, can you just give us a quick snippet of how someone might, how you might onboard someone into uh, the 3D, or land vault in the 3D internet?
1: Generally, it starts with an idea that the the client would have. They, they want to jump in, they want to create a virtual world for their brand, for their for their services. Um, more often than not, the, the brief on their side is, is not super clear, right? They're, they're exploring, they, they understand it's a big thing, but most of the time they don't have in-house experts. And so it really starts with our, our studio arm, which is this you know, consulting on demand kind of uh, service that we offer where we help refine the use case. Let's say you are a, a retailer you're selling shoes in the real world and you want to jump in the metaverse. What does that mean? What can we create? An experience that would be fun, engaging, that would not be completely separate, but that would actually bring value back to your main business. So how do we fully integrate things and not just create a gimmick? So that's the, the creative process. And then we would start the implementation mm-hmm. of the actual experience. So it could be, you know, this futuristic shop selling shoes that are NFTs, but when you buy that, you actually get a discount on the physical shoes. And so to build that, it's a combination of, of studio work but it all rests on top of our technology. So the shop, you know, we've done dozens of projects for, for shops and for, for different retailers. So we can use templates, we can use generative AI to quickly tweak it and to make it dynamic and change the color and, and upload a logo that looks like you know, it's, it's built from scratch. And so that's where our first product could come in. Now, if the retailer wants to deploy this, and let's say they're in the UAE, we have a a UAE cloud infrastructure, so you can deploy that with us. You don't need to do any complex infrastructure work and your project goes live and it works for everyone there. Now, if you want to sell the shoes, then you would use our e-commerce technology to, to, to power transactions there. And if you want to change the branding behind to every week show a different offer, you can use our ad solution to change the content dynamically. And if you want to authenticate your user, you can use our wallet solution that we have. So you can start plugging all these different building blocks. It's mainly no code. It works with tools like Unity, for example. You Just add that on top. And, um, and you basically bring your world to life. And you, you can go from idea to monetization in literally a matter of weeks, right? There's still a, a bit of a um, custom parts where you need to, to build things. But we are trying to streamline the process. We're trying to see... Where can we save a huge amount of time, a huge amount of cost so that experiences that used to cost, you know, $100,000 to build, they should cost $1,000, not like 80000 or, you know, we're not, we're not looking for a 10 or 20% decrease. We're looking for a 10 to 20 to 100x decrease. And that's really when we believe that the 3D internet can become mainstream. When everyone, you know, you and me, we, we can just go and create our own 3D profiles, just like we're creating our own Instagram page that's when we're going to start to see an explosion of of content. You know, it it can't be a service forever. It has to become a platform. And so that's what the the LandVault platform really is about.
0: Mm -hmm. And um, with platforms like Unity and Unreal Engine, they're so powerful and they're getting simpler by the day. Um, You know, as far as, you know, architecting and building within it. Uh, Huge fan uh, of both of those platforms. Uh, and it's refreshing um to hear that land vault you know you have the a studio environment where you actually start with strategy, and people often yeah. forget that you know whether you 're marketing it 's not just a gimmick you know build it for the long term because yes, there may be a small population now, but it will be ever present Everyone will be using some kind of three d environment, whether it be for you know digital twins for, for buildings. I know Dubai is big on that. Um, the United States, I'm working with some ESG companies now that are doing that. It's all coming together on these platforms. And it's really nice that you have kind of a plug and play package for people. Now being a design nerd myself, do you offer architectural services like design services?
1: Um, yes as part of a broader solution so we we don't just provide a design and and you know let someone else implement it we we really like to to provide this 360 degree solution so there is this uh, first phase of of conceptualization then there's a phase of design then there's a phase of implementation using our technology but those things are connected if you want to work with Landvolt you kind of have to do it all the way we don't we don't provide those service on a you know uh, on a menu, uh, hand pick package. So you have to, you have to do the whole thing because, um, you know, integrating things, integrating services is difficult. It's generally a point of failure when you have multiple companies involved that have, you know, different objectives. And so for us, it's kind of uh, take it or leave it mode at this point where if you want to work with us, we can provide everything, but it's all fully integrated.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, certain brands, you know, larger brands are very particular and specific about their specifications on their virtual worlds. Very interesting. Um, now, you know, hitting on a little bit of, you know, the marketing end of things and the adoption is everything, right. Um, and we know it's a, it's a little bit of a slower burn for the 3d internet or the metaverse, if you will. Um, how are, you, how are you helping brands onboard folks? You mentioned a little bit before as far as, you know, showing specials on, you know, uh, weekly advertisements or specials or discounts on f- physical purchases. How are you helping people onboard more users?
1: so there's two things right you have the the tactical side, which is the the tactics like you said, um, you know just marketing, reminding people to log in and those things but this is this is really tactical i think on the on the more strategic points, something that I often talk about is we are building the 3 d internet not for our generation but really for the for the next generation so uh, people often say you know oh when is um, when is my mom or my grandmother will be able to get in the metaverse you know this is when we know that this is actually mainstream and this is the wrong way to look at it we're not building the 3d internet for the for those generations we're building it for the new generation and if you look at what our you know kids these days of generation z generation alpha doing i mean most of them are spending time in in roblox in fortnite they're spending time in virtual environment this is this is the new um, playground for most of them so those kids have basically been growing growing up in immersed in 3d content they also were born at the same time as cryptocurrencies so when they get to the certain age they for them it's going to be just normal right there's this parallel digital currency so you know when you're born with a technology you tend to forget about it. it it's not a big deal it's just natural you see kids today they 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 seem to be born with knowing how to use an iPad. You know, it's it's just natural to them. For us, you know, it's natural to use electricity. We don't think about it every time we press on a on a switch. But for great grandparents, you know, this must have been a shock at the beginning because they were not born with it. They were used to something else, and then you change halfway through. So if you think about it in the same way, kids and you know future grandkids, they they are going to be completely used to evolving in 3D environments since they were kids, they were, they grew up with it. You know, they became teenagers by meeting other people in these virtual worlds. And so when they become adults for them to browse, you know, um, uh, property in 3d before they buy it or, uh, before they go and, and book a hotel or like shopping in a 3d environment and putting their clothes on an avatar to see how they fit. That's just going to be part of their daily lives. They've always been doing that since they were kids in Roblox and other platforms. So to me, the adoption is, is, is really not a, a question. You just see that today. It's just that that population that is you know, native to the 3D Internet, they are you know, maybe at max 15 years old at the moment. So we're still a few years away because, before they actually have you know, disposable income and are able to spend time on those applications that we're building, but it's all coming. So I don't think this is something you can really force. I think this is just, is gonna happen naturally. The other thing I want to mention as well is it, it will only happen if those platforms provide an advantage compared to the 2D internet. So if the experience takes 10 times you know, the, the time that it takes to buy something, no one's going to bother using a 3D environment, right? The, the experience has to be significantly better. It needs to save you time, it needs to save you money, or it needs to provide more entertainment. And the two main drivers here is time and money. This is really what drives most people. And if you think about most apps, most technologies that actually, you know, became mainstream, they solve one of these two problems. And so this is something that needs to be, you know, it's, it's, it won't happen just because it's 3D. Right. When people talk about immersion, I, the immersion is not a value proposition. Like right now, I don't need to be immersed, you know, to talk to you, to have a good time. This platform is great. Now, maybe it could be better in 3D, but it could also be much more clunky in 3D and just be, you know, take a lot longer to connect and, and just be a worse experience. So it still has to provide the fundamental value that we're looking for. But if it does, then I believe that for most things that are experiential. A 3D can actually provide an advantage, and for the younger generation that we are actually building that for, this is just going to be something natural for them.
0: All great points, Sam. And, and to to add to that, it it also needs to be portable, right? It needs to fit in your pocket too, right? And you're on all of your devices. And um, it's really interesting, and it, it's great that you're you're kind of like you know going a generation ahead which I think for this particular application is the right thing to do because the last 15 to 20 years, we always used the term digital native, but now it's mm-hmm. going to become blockchain native or crypto yep. native. So all really good, really great points. And talking about blockchain, you mentioned, I know they the economics of the blockchain play a big part in this AI plays a big part in this. Um, but how else are you using, say, NFTs or smart contracts um, and, and just the blockchain in general uh, to, to further the experience?
1: So we're actually launching, uh, I mentioned our four products, and I mentioned the first three, creation, publishing, monetization. The fourth one is actually our Web3 product, which is called Matera. It's a separate uh, entity and a separate protocol. And the idea here is while the other three um, products are really helping with the, the creation and the setup of that virtual world, Matera will help with the, the economy and developing the, the economy inside the virtual world. And this is where I see blockchain becoming a, a really intrinsic part of the, of the metaverse by becoming this financial backbone, this new way to process transaction and to deliver value between the different participants of that economy. And specifically what we focused on with Matera is to create a better creator economy. So the creator economy is how people who actually create content and those, the creators are the, the shapers of the internet, right? They are posting things on social network. They're creating videos. They're creating great podcasts like you are. And this is what drives people to the internet on top of the platforms. But by and large, those creators are struggling to monetize on social media platforms, mainly. You know social media platforms capture uh, from 50 to 100 percent of the value in in some cases and so we see that even though the internet you know increase a hundred fold over the the last 20 years really most of that value accrued to a handful of tech companies and there's you know four of them that are valued in the trillions now which is the scale of a country right i often say if, if microsoft was a country it would be the seventh biggest country in the world So that's pretty crazy, right? They aggregate a lot of value. And a lot of that is because the distribution of wealth on the internet currently is is just unfair and it's all aggregates towards the platform. So we think the blockchain can can level that up a little bit by creating an economy where creators actually get fairly rewarded for the work that they're putting out, but also followers and people that engage with content can be incentivized in the right way and they can also um, support their favorite creators in different ways. That's another thing that is really important. Where, you know, right now, if I'm um, a big fan of, uh, of Lionel Messi, for example, um, I can follow him on Instagram and you know really follow his content. And if I'm just someone that is loosely interesting in Lionel Messi, I can also follow him on Instagram. So there's there's not really a, a lot of different layers where I can really express my fandom. Um, it's either you follow him or you don't, and as a result, a lot of people follow them. But there's a lot of people that would want to be a bit closer and want to, you know, go an extra mile to maybe collect things that Messi is putting out or buy his merch and things like that. And again, through tokenization of content, through NFTs, through the blockchain in general, you will be able to have to create this spectrum of fandom where you decide as a follower how much you want to engage with your favorite creators. You just want to follow them? Absolutely, you can. But you could also potentially uh, buy more of their content and get closer. And for this, get exclusive access to things and become a bit closer to your to people that you, you admire. So I think that's just going to dynamize the whole economy. And uh, this is something that we're building now. and. Um, it's a protocol backed by our own layer two that will be integrated with all the worlds that we are creating with Landbolt.
0: Yeah. And you said the, the, the magic words, creator economy, right. Um, which is near and dear to my heart and a lot of our listeners hearts. Um, and it's important that people understand that, you know, the 2.0 social world is just peeking their heads around this idea when, you know, in a couple of years, it's, basically going to be everything you know and taking the user you know right now the user is the battery they they power Mm. everything and they're not getting monetized for it or 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 rewarded for it so it's really nice that to see that you guys are just literally starting with a creator community and building the economics around people actually extending their experience and also uh showing their fandom in new and exciting ways, but also earning along along the way by sharing. So that's fantastic. And keep going with it because everyone else needs to wake up on that too. Um, so that's awesome. Now we touched a little bit on, and this this is something that we could have a whole other episode on, um, AI. Now AI, you you mentioned it's used to generate assets and, and you know, uh, uh, objects per, Per se or even merchandise for, for that matter how in the in the actual walk around environment are you using AI much like um, the only analogy I could use is like GTA or like grand theft Auto when you're walking around is there a concierge I could meet at your building
1: that's definitely an option. Um, we have quite a few of our of our clients actually that wanted to have you know a uh, an ai powered assistant or support which makes it a little bit more personalized than just having to read an faq so this these are pretty basic use cases where you plug a chat gpt or train a model with um with specific uses to um to answer the needs of um of, of the clients there are a few use cases that are more more advanced the main one is the, is the creation use cases we talked about before. And this is really an important one because without generative AI, the metaverse will remain very, very expensive and very, very slow to be built. You mm-hmm. know, an average experience, if you want to build something great, we're talking, you know, six, six figures, seven figures. I mean, a A AAA game, right? Costs sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. So imagine if it costs that much to build and take years to build We'll never get to a point where everyone can be immersed in those worlds. It just won't be enough content. It would be like an internet with only a few thousand websites. That's, that doesn't that doesn't create a, a big enough economy. So we need a catalyst to create those environments faster and cheaper, and not just 10% cheaper, like 100x cheaper. So so that's where generative AI would be used. Now in the environment, you can also have. Uh, an interesting um, way to solve uh, the, the chicken and egg situation where if you create a world uh, at the beginning, there's not a lot of people in that world. And because there's not a lot of people, when a few people came on, they, they're they not quite sure what to do. It looks empty and they leave. So you need to build that critical mass at the beginning. That's very difficult for, for, for platforms. And so you can use here uh, AI bots that are basically no, you know, digital uh, avatars, not real people, but they are trained to actually have conversation, basic conversation. So when you enter a world, there is already 10, 15, 20 people. You can talk to them. They reply to you. It doesn't feel like it's pre- pre-recorded conversation. They can actually, you know, they have banter and they can they can talk about certain things. And that can help in the beginning, create the illusion that there are a lot of people and you get to that critical mass and then you have real people. But this is, this is a bit of a trick to avoid this uh, um, empty space syndrome, which has been you know, reported a lot in the press where you log in and you try to go to see a um, <laughs> shopping experience or a, you know, a fashion show in the metaverse, and there's no one there and it's just depressing and you have those huge spaces, but no one's there. And that just doesn't create a good you know, feeling. So, this is another example of how AI can be used in those environments mm.
0: yeah, and you know it, it, people really need to understand that ai is is really necessary for actually building out some of these these virtual environments because to your point it 's hyper expensive to to render worlds or or objects or characters uh, in, in 3d. Um, I don't care what platform it is. Um, yes, it'll be bespoke and wonderful and, and excellent, but it's really not feasible. And you, you do need help from AI to do this. It doesn't mean you're cheating. It doesn't mean anything else about that. And then to your point as well, uh, the adoption point, you do want to see other humans or or bots or any other presence within a, an environment that you can potentially ask questions or interact with. Um, now with it, so that, that was great, Sam. Now with, you know, AI and everything else um, gamification, right. It's, it's huge. And it's not about, you know, I'm going to go to, you know, Nike shop in, in you know, the land vault or a 3d world uh, and play games. Maybe, maybe you can, but how is the experience gamified,
1: yeah good. I touched a bit I touched upon that a bit earlier by um, talking about the need for the experience to deliver real value. And gamification is one of those terms that again, is, is a bit misunderstood because people think that we're making things like a game, whereas actually what it means is it uses mechanics that game use to become to create this great retention. And if you look at all the different channels that you have out there, Gaming is where people spend the most time by, by a big margin, right? An average gaming session, you know, on console is, is like an hour. On mobile is maybe like 10 minutes. It's, uh, it's a lot more than you would spend at once on social media, for example. So gaming, those 3D environments have something special to hook you in and to make you want to stay longer. And obviously, if this is a brand activation, the longer you stay, the more they can show the brand, the more you build top of mind, the more opportunities they have to sell something. So the dwell time, the amount of time you spend on a page is very, very important. And at LandVault, you know, we have experiences on average that for, for brands, like we had something for um, um, a, a FMCG brand, and they were spending on average 29 minutes in the experience, whereas on their e-commerce page, it was an average of four minutes. So that's a huge difference, right? And just because you had to complete a quest, you had to set up your avatar and you were part of an experience and you had to talk to someone. So it's just fun. It's just engaging. And so gamification is really about creating that journey so that you have something to do in those experiences. And those things can be guided a little bit, of course, and, you know, you incentivize the behavior that you want to see. But at the end of the day, if you have to summarize what gamification is, is really engineering fun creating something exciting so that people actually want to spend time there and not just spend time in an empty warehouse. Even if it looks amazing, if you have nothing to do, you're not gonna last very long because there's just, you know, time is too valuable. So, mm-hmm. so that's what gamification is. And it's actually learning from the gaming industry who has been very good at hooking people in, making them play longer and come back every day to compete and, and all of this stuff and integrate that into the fabric of this 3D internet to just create a, a more exciting type of experiences. And this is this is really key, and this is often forgotten. We actually have a whole creative team at Vault that specialize in that, and that's the first step. It's the design, it's the concept. We create this loop. You know, you have to have a core loop of what our users actually going to do uh, in that experience so that they stay engaged and they, they, they actually have fun doing it. And if you don't have that, then you're just gonna have an empty space. It's like going to an event When there's no programming, you know, the space may be nice, but if there's nothing to do, you can't get value from it. And it's not fun. You're not going to stay very long, So this also applies in, in virtual worlds.
0: Yeah. And having come, come from a, a gaming background myself and design games, and it's all about leveling and keeping people engaged and having them achieve milestones and goals along the way. And that's key to, you know, retention. So really nicely done. Uh, this is exciting. And um, now a, a bit of a loaded question for you here, Sam. Um, you know, in my mind, it's not, you know, if, it's when pretty much every brand, every person is involved in a 3D world at some point. What do you, where do you see mass adoption happening or a, thre- a real threshold
1: Five to 10 years. I mean, you know, five years ago, no one was talking, no brand was talking about a presence in any kind of game. I actually started my company about six years ago now, and we were providing product placements for for brands inside video games. And educating brands on on video games was was a huge thing. Most brands, you know, video games was already big at the time. There's already close to 2 billion people every single day. But brands didn't want to touch it. They felt it was risky. They didn't understand the audience. Like Fast forward five years, this has massively changed. Every brand now has a presence in Roblox, in Fortnite, is advertising, in gaming, supporting e-sports e- e- team. They understood that gaming is a fundamental part of our culture. So if we've made that progress in five years, imagine another five years. And now with the technologies, with AI converging and accelerating the creation of that. So I think this is just going to be a steady growth from there. It's going to be up and down, as we know, but overall, it's just going to be a steady progress. Um, as I said before, the, the real shift is, is when this younger generation, the Gen Z, the Gen Alpha, become of age to have disposable income and start to you know look for 3D experiences like they, were, they grew up with. To do adult things like booking holidays or uh, do uh, you know trying out a new car before they actually go and buy it or book a hotel or all these kind of things, so that's you know it's, it's just going to be a progressive evolution from there, and it's all driven by by gaming that has really become a, a, you know the, the main um, pastime now for for young generations
0: yeah, and Gen Z and alpha are going to expect it. They're not going to want it. They're going to expect it. So, yeah, really, all really good points and, and excellent for getting, you know, ahead, way ahead of, of the curve here. Um, and as we wrap up just a little bit, Sam, um, I, I always like to kind of understand um, protocols, companies like yours, you know, really interesting projects, what their team looks like, you know, globally, locally. What does it look like?
1: So we have about we have over 100 people uh, globally. Um, A big chunk of that, probably 65 plus, are part of this uh, studio. So those are the, the different people that are, you know, designers, asset builders, architects that are deployed on various projects for clients. And then we have our internal team, which is about 40 40 people right now. Um, Those are building our own platform. Those are the, the, you know, the AI tool, the publishing tool, monetization tool. Um, We have product people, we have marketing, obviously sales as well. And then we're now carving out a specific team for Matera, the Web3 side, which requires, you know, different skills and also different marketing, different positioning. So that's the, that's pretty much the makeup of the team. And I'm here based in Dubai. We're building out our team here. We have a, a handful of people here, mainly on the sales and marketing, relocating a few people here. And then we have uh, still a big hub in London, in the UK, which is where the company started.
0: Yeah. I, I as I mentioned before, I think you're really squarely rooted in the, in the place, uh, Dubai, that really is, I, I think a lot of this stuff will really pop off. So excellent now. For our listeners who may be interested, I know I am, um, do you have any events or conferences coming up or uh, X spaces, uh, any live feeds, anything?
1: Um, we do, definitely. So it's, uh, it's it's about to, you know, conference season is about to start, at least here in the, in Dubai. Uh, we'll have a, a pretty big presence at the Token 2049 on the 18th of April. And before that, just going to, you know, events here and there. Um, we are pretty active on social as well, so not always live, but you know if you follow myself or or Landbold, the company, um, you can see some of my content. I talk a lot about entrepreneurship generally fundraising and um, and just generally you know learning along the way of of building a, an exciting company in the space.
0: Yeah, and I would say to to our viewers and listeners, uh, Sam is very active on social. Um, I see him every single day, which is awesome. You need that kind of presence. Yeah, no, it, it it works. And, you know, anything from entrepreneurship to 3d worlds and marketing and beyond, uh, just really good, nice slices of, of content coming out of, uh, Vault and Sam. I appreciate Um, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, where should our listeners and viewers go to get involved?
1: So you can go to LandVault.io, that's the main website of the company, or you can follow me on pretty much any channel at Sam Huber, Mm -hmm. S-A-M-H-U-B-E-R.
0: Awesome. And uh, Sam, this has been amazing. And like I said, I think we're just scratching the surface of a lot of this. We have kept going, for sure. Yeah. And I I think, you know, we definitely have to have you back um, because this is a topic that's not going away and it's just gonna build and build and build and people are gonna want more and more information and get involved. So um, we look forward to that and we thank you for joining us today.
1: You tell me when and I'll be there for the second episode. Thanks, Rich.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, we will. And we'll definitely be in touch. So thank you again, Sam. Everyone check them out.
1: Thanks for having me.